The Kamala Calamity. Be careful what you wish for. Joe Biden lied about who he was when he ran for president. He said he was a moderate. He isn't. He said he would unite the country. He hasn't. He said he would revive the economy. He didn't. Lying is nothing new to the Democratic Party. The lies are big. The exit from Afghanistan was fine. January 6th was a violent insurrection. Lockdowns were successful. The vaccine was not risky. The economy is strong. Gender is a construct. And their lies are small. Stephen Colbert is funny. One of the biggest lies was that Kamala Harris was the right choice for vice president. They lied because they had to. They lied because it was easy. They lied because no one in the media would call them out on it. Now that the cat is out of the bag and it's clear to the Democrats that Harris was the wrong choice, they're stuck. So you might ask, how did they end up in this position in the first place? Isn't that what elections are for? To weed out the weak and reward the strong? Yes, that is usually what elections are for, except for 2020. That might be all the proof you need to realize just how corrupt and artificial it was. When you drill down into the Kamala calamity, you'll see just how disconnected from reality the Democrats have become. They can't handle the actual truth. They prefer the negotiated truth, the comfortable lie. Harris had risen in the ranks of the party after she challenged Justice Kavanaugh during the confirmation hearing. From then on, her reputation became that she was tough enough to challenge Trump in ways Biden couldn't. But even in that hearing, her tone was not quite right. Even if it played well online, it was off-putting. Judge, have you ever discussed Special Counsel Mueller or his investigation with anyone? Well, it's uh, in the news every day. I... Have you discussed it with anyone? Uh, with other judges, I know. Uh... Have you discussed Mueller or his investigation with anyone at Kasowitz, Benson, and Torres, the law firm founded by Mark Kasowitz, President Trump's personal lawyer? Uh... Be sure about your answer, sir. Um, well, I'm not remembering, but if you have something you're Wanna... Are you certain you've not had a conversation with I... anyone at that law firm? Kasowitz, Benson. Kasowitz, Benson, and yeah. Torres, which is the law firm founded by Mark Kasowitz. Yeah. Who is... The problem was no one could really say so out loud, at least not on the left. It was verboten to criticize any woman's tone, let alone a woman of color. That was just the beginning of pushing the idea of Harris, rather than coming to terms with who Harris actually was. She might have been a great prosecutor, but her on-camera persona came off as snide, condescending, and even bitchy. But if anyone dared to suggest it, and believe me, I tried, they would be attacked as woman-hating white feminists. And believe me, I was. But it wasn't just Harris's personality that made her a poor choice for Biden. She'd also driven a wedge between her supporters and Biden supporters by suggesting she believed the sexual harassment allegations against him. Worse than that, she was prepared to insinuate Biden, of all people, was a racist. She didn't say so directly, but did that matter? Here she is in her viral moment. We've also heard, and I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist. And I agree with you 
when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. But even if that could have been overlooked, it was her fateful exchange with Tulsi Gabbard that exposed her real weakness. She was too easily triggered. Our Democratic Party, unfortunately, is not the party that is of, by, and for the people. It's a par- it is a party that has been and continues to be influenced by the foreign policy establishment in Washington, represented by Hillary Clinton and others' foreign policy, by the military-industrial complex and other greedy corporate interests. Senator Harris, any response? Oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think that um, it's unfortunate that we have someone on the stage who is attempting to be the Democratic nominee for President of the United States, who during the Obama administration spent four years full-time on Fox News criticizing President Obama. That's ridiculous, That's ridiculous. Who has spent full-time criticizing people on this stage as affiliated with the Democratic Party. When Donald Trump was elected, not even sworn in, buddied up to Steve Bannon to get a meeting with Donald Trump in the Trump Tower, fails to call a war criminal by what he is as a war criminal, and then spends full time during the course of this campaign, again, criticizing the Democratic Party. What we need on the stage on, in the November is someone who has the ability to win. And by that, we need someone on that stage who has the ability to go toe-to-toe with Donald Trump and someone who has the ability to rebuild the Obama coalition and bring the party and the nation together. I believe I am that candidate. Thank you, Senator. Uh, Congress, yes. Congresswoman Gabbard, I'll give you a chance well, to respond. What Senator Harris is doing is unfortunately continuing to traffic in lies and smears and innuendos because she cannot challenge the substance of the argument that I'm making, the leadership and the change that I'm seeking to bring in our foreign policy, which only makes me guess that she will, as president, continue the status quo, continue the Bush-Clinton-Trump foreign policy of regime change wars, which is, is deeply destructive. How Biden was ultimately pressured into choosing Harris is a tawdry tale of online tribal warfare and identity politics, of forced apologies and comfortable lies, a story of a timid press corps in an insular utopia, of activists who were none too pleased that they had to choke down an old white guy at the top of the ticket. The last thing anyone was thinking about was the truth. The Great War The passion for Kamala Harris online did not match what was happening on the ground. No one could surpass Biden in the polls. Only Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren came close. For podcast listeners, a poll from Real Clear Politics of the Democratic Primary showing Biden way ahead 
with only Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders coming close. Harris became so unpopular that she couldn't even win her home state of California. Since Bernie was not an option for Biden's Veep, the next in line would have been Warren. She had the largest core of support among females in the race. Her biggest problem? She was white. White women dominate the base of the Democratic Party, but they're also potentially Karens. They have to be good allies and decenter themselves from the narrative. That meant many of them elevated Harris to nearly godlike status as they, we, had done with the Obamas. Women were getting tattoos of her on their bodies. Even the Babylon Bee joked about it. For podcast listeners, an image. Viewers starting to doubt objectivity of reporter with Kamala 2020 face tattoo. A clique of Harris supporters online was dubbed the hashtag K-Hive. They were notoriously vicious, especially to Warren supporters. But since no one online can ever speak the truth about anything, most people were bullied into silence or else forced to play along. For podcast listeners, a comment by KennyBoo93. Dear Warren supporters, the K-Hive isn't toxic. The problem is you can't handle the fact that we challenge your white privilege. The rules always apply for black women. We never get the benefit of the doubt. We're always guilty until proven innocent. Hashtag Kamala is a cop. But the war was becoming dangerous for a party that had lost in 2016 due, at least in part, to a fracture among Hillary and Bernie supporters. That meant if people were mad enough about the outcome of the primary, the losing side might stay home. This piece in Medium is one of the few artifacts left of that era, much of which went unreported by the incurious press. Quote, Reasons why we will not be moving to Warren from Harris. This article was written by various members of the K-Hive, who are all members of at least one oppressed class, and most are members of more than one. Although it is published here, it is not something the author can take credit for personally, although she did contribute. End quote. This piece details their complaints against Warren with all the fake authority of your typical Tumblr tween, throwing out the word problematic several times. Their complaints against Warren read like the typical cancel for the woke. A tweet from Deepa Shivaram. Warren gets question on rise in racism. We're going to embrace each other's fights on race. Talks about how Trump is pitting folks against each other. Warren, who often answers that she has a plan for everything, notably does not mention her plan to combat white nationalist violence. End quote. A cosmetic choice. Biden had already committed to choosing a woman as his running mate, which is what sparked the war between the Harris and Warren camps. But after he won the nomination, he said he would choose a black woman. He had narrowed it down to four. According to CNN, those names were then-Senator Kamala Harris, Florida Rep Val Demings, former National Security Advisor Susan Rice, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, and Rep Karen Bass. The Warren supporters would not give in so easily. Lawrence Tribe stepped in it when he joined 100 others who signed a letter urging Biden to choose Warren as his running mate suggesting he should not make such a serious decision for cosmetic reasons. For podcast listeners, a tweet from Bakari Sellers, Even brilliant people say dumb things. Tribe law to assume picking Harris, Demings, or Rice's cosmetics 
is, well, asinine. I'm really frustrated with these snide remarks about the preparedness of black women being vetted for VP. And another headline, Harvard professor apologizes for suggesting that Joe Biden picking a black running mate would be cosmetics. Tribe wouldn't be the first nor the last Democrat to apologize for telling the truth, but his slip-up would set an example for anyone who might think of doing so in the future. The official story would never be that the dust-up over Tribe's accidental truth-telling moment pressured Biden into choosing Harris to hold the coalition together. Instead, they had to push yet another comfortable lie on their readers. Per the New York Times, quote, Yet no other candidate scored as highly with Mr. Biden's selection committee on so many of their core criteria for choosing a running mate, including her ability to help Mr. Biden win in November, her strength as a debater, her qualifications for governing, and the racial diversity she would bring to the ticket. No other candidate seemed to match the political moment better, end quote. No reasonable person believed that story, but no one had the guts to challenge it either. Harris had no strength as a debater, as she'd once again prove in her debate with Mike Pence, where she kept repeating like a schoolmarm, I'm speaking. He said because the president wanted people to remain calm. Well, let's get so to I, that. No, but Susan, I, this is important. Susan, I, I, and I, I want to add, but if, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. I have to I'm speaking. Yep. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about packing the court then. Let's talk about Please. the fact. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to. $400,000 a year. He said he's going the Trump tax cuts. Uh, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Well, <laughs> I'm speaking. It'd be important if you said the truth. If you don't mind letting me finish, we can Please. then have a conversation, okay? Please. Okay. The press would hand the win to Harris, and she would be applauded. But at least to me, it was yet more proof that she wasn't quite ready for prime time. Harris's first big moment as the vice president was on NBC News with Lester Holt, where she once again proved to be too easily triggered. That might not seem like a big deal to those who love her, and many do. But her problem was that no one was ever honest with her. And when her numbers began to plummet, none of them had any good answer except that America was misogynist and racist. I don't know that we're going to see it. Listen, I've been very clear from the beginning. There isn't, there's not going to be a quick fix. So we've seen progress. Uh, but the, the, the real work is going to take time to manifest itself. Will it be worth it? Yes. Will it take some time? Yes. There's one other topic I wanted to uh, talk to you about. But let me just quickly put a button. Okay. Do you have any plans? to visit the border. I, I'm here in Guatemala today. I, at some point, you know, I, we are going to the border. We've been to the border. So you, this whole this whole this whole thing about the border, we've been to the border. We've been to the border. You haven't been to the border. I, and I haven't been to Europe. And I, mean, I don't I don't understand the point that you're making. I'm not discounting the importance of the border. Well, I, I mentioned I, because even I, I know Republicans have certainly come at you on this. But Democratic Congressman Cuellar has a border district has said to the, you and the president, come. You need, I care you need to see about, this. Listen, I care about what's happening at the border. I'm in Guatemala because my focus is dealing with the root causes of migration. There may be. Uh, some who think that that is not important, but it is my firm belief that if we care about what's happening at the border, we better care about the root causes and address them. And so that's what I'm doing. 
It doesn't matter how much they continually attack the right. They can't fix who they are. They are their own worst problem. The Democrats believe they can change people by changing reality. From art to movies to science to comedy, even to politics, they force on Americans what they think they should want instead of what they do want. Their efforts at progress through equity have backfired on them with Harris. Was it fair to put her in a job she wasn't ready for? Is everyone going to keep pretending it's all going fine and hope for the best? In the end, when the smoke clears and the years pass, her face will still be in history books, and maybe that's good enough. The question is, will they tell the truth, or will they tell yet another comfortable lie? By now, Harris's numbers are worse than Trump's. For podcast listeners, Kamala Harris favorable unfavorable from Real Clear Politics. She is down negative 17, and Trump's favorable ratings, negative 15. Biden and the Democrats are now paying the price for their comfortable lies, their gaslighting, and their negotiated truth. Can they spin out another election like 2020, where the candidates don't matter because the system does all the work? Maybe. Ted Cruz has a suggestion for them that might save the day. He thinks Michelle Obama might just parachute in at the last minute to be the deus ex machina that saves the country from Trump. There's a second scenario. And this scenario, I think, is more likely and a heck of a lot more dangerous, which is fast forward to next year. Fast forward to the Democrat National Convention. It's going to be in Chicago, Illinois, and it is August 19th through 22nd. If we get to August of next year, and number one, Biden's mental diminishment has gotten even worse and it becomes obvious to anyone that he can't find his shoes. And Democrats decide, okay, all of this downside is really worrying us. Then the convention is the opportunity to parachute someone in. You parachute someone in by having some, some story that for health reasons, Biden's not able to continue. How the Democrats execute that exactly, I don't know, but the Democrats are very big on smoke-filled rooms and forcing through the outcome they want, and they obey orders. Um, Now, if you're a Democrat poobah, and by the way, the Democrats also have what are called superdelegates. Republicans don't have superdelegates. Superdelegates are typically elected officials that have disproportionate power at their convention. They have the ability to really move the votes. If you get to the August convention for Democrats and they've collectively lost their nerve on Biden, said it's time to put Joe out to pasture, what do they do then? Well, the natural thing to say would be, okay, it'll be one of those top four. And here's the problem. Whoever they pick is a problem. They pick Kamala Harris. She's the vice president in some ways, the natural choice. All of the downsides of Kamala Harris make that a really dangerous choice. Uh, If they pick... Gavin Newsom, Uh, that makes some California Democrats happy. The problem is you're replacing an African-American woman in the Democrat Party with a white guy. A rich white guy. A very rich white guy. You want to talk about a recipe for discontent, that's a big problem. Uh, They could go with Pete Buttigieg, another white guy, but 
Buttigieg is gay. That's at least the gay lesbian community is a big chunk of the Democrat coalition. That'll fit in very well as well. So rich liberals would really like Pete Buttigieg. And a lot of the Democrat donors are gay and lesbian. That's a major chunk of the funding stream for a Democrat candidate. But you have the same problem. If you jettison an African-American woman who's vice president for a white guy in the Democrat primary, you're really asking for trouble. And option four is, is Elizabeth Warren. Well, Elizabeth Warren makes the crazy moon bat leftists happy. Yeah. But you have the same... Everyone else who doesn't get it, I think anyone they go with as a coronation, it's different than an open primary where Warren wins because primary voters vote for. That gives an element of legitimacy that the people who don't win can live with. Yeah. If it's just the kingmakers saying, nope, we pick you, whoever doesn't get picked, everyone else is pissed. So here's the scenario that I think is perhaps most likely and most dangerous. In August of 2024, the Democrat kingmakers jettison Joe Biden and parachute in Michelle Obama. And I want you to pause and reflect on oh, that. Oh, I'm pausing and I'm reflecting as we, and so is everybody else listening right now. I view this as a very serious danger. I'm smiling right now because it terrifies me and I also could totally see this happening. So Michelle Obama, number one, you don't infuriate African-American women, which is a critical part of the constituency that Democrats are relying on to win. But number two, you avoid the problem. If you pick from any of the four, the other three are pissed because they're all to some extent peers, they're rivals, they're all jabbing knives at each other. Michelle Obama, because she was first lady, has the ability to kind of parachute in above all four and say, hey, we're not picking among any of you. You guys can all fight it out next time. You're all going to be on the same level. We're coming. This is the Obamas saving the day. And I think in terms of a solution that unifies Democrats, there ain't nothing like that. It's not a great sign that everything is suddenly coming back. COVID, masks, and even Biden's ongoing pitch to the American public to scare them to the polls by demonizing his own citizens, the MAGA extremists, he splutters. But the people don't quite see it that way. For podcast listeners, a poll from Morning Consult. By a nine-point margin, voters see the Democratic Party as more ideologically extreme than the Republican Party. They see the reality the Democrats can't hide that they're the extremists. They're the ones pushing radical gender ideology on unsuspecting parents. They're the ones advocating for a wide-open border, then lying to the public about it. They're the ones who have stopped policing crime in the big cities. They've bulldozed our sacred norms with their endless charges and indictments against Trump, just to make him easier for Biden to beat. Biden pulled a bait-and-switch when he sold himself as the moderate. He turned out to be anything but. The Democrats are long overdue for a reality check, and they just might get one. By now, voters might be thinking, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me.
Thanks for listening to my Substack, sashastone.substack.com. And remember, to thine own self, be true. Shame, 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 shame.